0: Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed.
1: Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it Ah. eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available. However, you listen to podcasts
3: spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham.
0: It's a week later and we're still lost. It's episode 397 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham. The reason I say that is because we're talking about lost in space. And again, and why wouldn't we? going to get some great insight from showrunner and executive producer Jack Estrin. Also going to be joined by executive producers Matt Samaza and Burke Sharpless. As well, and boy, do those guys drop some great info on this final season, which is now streaming on Netflix. Mostly spoiler free in the interview, so you don't have to worry about that if you haven't had a chance to catch any of season three yet. Also, speaking of Space Epics, The Expanse's final season has begun on amazon prime video going to talk about season six and my review here coming up in a few minutes a bunch of trailers dropped this week going to talk about that there's some news about the boys that i'll talk about we're going to be talking about lost in space first the showrunner and executive producers of the series are joining me next on the down and nerdy podcast
3: hi this is greg rucka comic book writer and you're listening to the down and nerdy podcast
0: gentlemen how's it going Very good, James. So, Zach, Matt, Burke, there's a time jump between the events of Season 2 and the beginning of Season 3. Talk about the decision behind the jump and how it helps drive the story forward.
3: From the very beginning, we knew we were going to be doing a kind of like a huge thing. And to do that we wanted to let the actors grow organically so you could have the feeling that you have when you watch some of these, like, you know, and we think we were influenced a little bit by like how successful that was in the Harry Potter films where the characters will organically grow old and I think Zach has mentioned before and often talks about how because of the incredibly dense VFX and post on this it's always going to be two years so rather than try to force it we wanted to let the actors grow and mature on screen and from the very beginning we decided to let them be the age that they were and let that define the the stories particularly because it's a family story so there's different dynamics you know as a family gets older together as they reach the edge of adulthood or become adults in the case of the judy robinson character and and so it wasn't like a one season thing it was like we wanted to really like use that as an advantage and always have the one year off
4: and like you know because i think for us dramatically it's one thing to be away apart from your family for a weekend or a month to have a year apart is where we really wanted to tighten the screws on the emotions of our characters and how they deal with that very sort of intentional I think when sort of, when Matt Burke kind of came in and said, hey, here's what we're thinking of, of for season three in the beginning, was like, we're starting a year later. Like, like, because you want to see the ramifications and the fallout of that distance and how that would sort of tear at the fabrics of their connectivity.
2: Plus, Max is now a foot taller. So there's So, and, and our, our, our VFX are good, but they're not, they're not that good. So... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Let's talk about the kids for a second, because it seems like Judy, Will and Penny are going to have to grow up pretty fast, given the situation that they're in. Does this actually help bring them closer together, do you think? Or could it create more tension between them instead?
2: Well, it, it definitely gets worse before it gets better. <laughs> it, 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 in the beginning, there's a lot of tension between between the kids. It's one. it's one of the things that we, we were every season we want to show the audience something new. We wanna explore as writers, new relationships, new dynamics between the characters. And one of the things that I think is, is, is surprising, maybe a little bit shocking in the beginning of season three is how disconnected that the three of them are. Cause you're used to seeing them be the, this super tight unit. And we see that the year has not been kind to their relationship. It's put a lot of, of, of stress on it. And especially in the very beginning, you have uh, Judy, who has been tasked with being in charge of all this, has this enormous responsibility on her. And we give her the one thing that would maybe put her off course, which is what if she has the opportunity to find more about her biological father. And so we start with, with her being really torn between these two things in this impossible situation. And that's sort of how we, how we, we, start, we start season three.
4: I mean, like, it's hard enough to be a teenager, right? Let alone a teenager living on your own, let alone a teenager who's fearing for your life, let alone, like, it's all of these things, right? That that you just sort of put a bunch of pressure on these kids. And there's there's actually a line um, that you haven't seen yet that comes up later in the season where someone says, you know, look, they're not kids anymore. And John says, well, they should be. And that's like, you know, we have asked these Robinson kids to grow up really fast with what they've been through. And now we're kind of seeing the effects on on what that means to them at the beginning of season three.
0: Man, that is such a great way to put it. Now, as a parent myself, I can only imagine what John and Maureen have been going through over this past year. How has that separation from their children affected them and their relationship?
3: Well, I think when you see it's it's been crushing. I think that what John and Maureen have gone through is the trauma that you feel as your kids get older and then there's a moment when they leave. And any parent who's gone through that will will identify with the moment of like separation that's inevitable for every parent. And one of the things that we try to do with the show is you take an identifiable family dynamic and you sort of turn it up to 11. And I think with John and Maureen being put in a situation which everybody can identify as they get older. I mean, I haven't had to go through it yet, but I can see it in my future. We have to (laughs) clean out your kid's room. Or, you know, address the fact that they're, you know, that that's an empty nest now. Now, in the case of John and Maureen, they specifically have other dynamics that are very, which is the dynamics of Maureen believing that she can solve every problem and every problem has a solution. And this one, she couldn't solve. So it breaks her her self-confidence, and she has a long way to go to rise up. And John had made a promise in the previous seasons. John had said, I will never separate from you again. He particularly promised Will. This is a, a, a man who, when we met him, he had made a mistake of not being close his family before the show had started as part of the inciting incident of the entire show is john reconnecting with his family we had to walk away again and it was to save their lives but that has weighed on him so heavily it's like pushed him to to the limit so that's where we begin with both parents
0: that definitely lays it out pretty well for anybody that hasn't seen it yet wait till you do and be like oh so that's what he was talking about oh okay (laughs) so one of the big reveals last season is that Well, and again this is no spoiler if you've seen season two is that smith is still alive so What kind of impact will her presence make in this season? And could we see her relationship with the Robinsons change this season as well? When
4: it comes to Dr. Smith, you never know what your relationship is with her. And so it's kind of always changing. I think that's the thing. But Smith is kind of the most fascinating character because she is somebody who it seems will always do the thing to ensure her own survival until you kind of have to cross that threshold where there's no coming back from. And that's where you're going to kind of see her this year come up to that point where if you do that one thing to ensure your survival, it will. you can never come back from it. Like you can never be good. And I think she desperately wants, if she could be a member of the Robinson family and be a good and be a hero, she would do that in a heartbeat. She's not an inherently bad person. It's just that, you know, it's like, they keep pulling me back in, right? Like, <laughs> like it is. She's she keeps being forced to make these choices that she doesn't want to make that make her a worse person than she believes she is. If that makes sense, <laughs> and we will see her kind of come to that inflection point this season. I don't want to tell you exactly which, which way she goes, but uh, she's a fascinating character.
0: Yeah, I definitely think her arc is one of the more interesting ones this season. That's so that that's very very well put by you, Zach. So the robots are—it are, seem like they're after Will at this point. At least that's that's the impression that that we've gotten. But Will, you know, Will has his robot, and maybe even Scarecrow, maybe that they can trust. So are there still difficulties though in trusting any robot at this point? And will we actually learn more about what their motives truly are? Well,
2: that that that's sort of like getting into spoilers. That 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 is the question, isn't it? <laughs> are the robots good or are they bad? And that's something that we push, I think, as far as we can this season. One of the things that I think we've revealed through the, the robot himself is that they're very complex beings. They seemed very simple. In fact, when we first seen them in the very, in the very beginning, they seemed like they're mindless killing machines. And every season, we sort of peel off more layers of the onion and reveal... Them to be much more complicated than they are, and even in the case of the robot, he's growing the way Will Robinson and Penny and Judy are growing too, and becoming more complicated. So the story of are the robots good or bad is in some ways the story of the entire show. Um, it's something that 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 we explore, and, and it comes right down to the, the 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 big finish. But our our thought has always been that they're they're as complicated as as we are, and that's kind of one of the themes of, of what we're trying to do.
3: There's a key line that comes up in the second episode where uh, they talk about, do you know what your, do you know what programming is? And Mm -hmm. I think that that's in a way, what is programming and are they free to make their own choices and be good? Are they controlled by others? And how does that relate to what it means to be a, a person, especially even a person in our world that we live in now is something that we really leaned into and became kind of I don't know, one of the one of the themes of the whole show, certainly the season.
4: Yeah, when Dr. Smith says, you know, we are who we were built to be, you know, that there's this sort of metaphor and that I think, you know, for her is like, going back to, to Jessica Rabbit, right? Uh, I'm not bad. Yeah. I was just drawn this way. And so it's this question of, you know, can we learn? Can we be better than who we think we are? And that kind of reflects, I think, across every family member and every um, life form, I think, in the show. Didn't expect and a hell. Jessica
0: Rabbit reference, Zach. Well done. Well done there, Thank Zach. Thank you very much. <laughs> you didn't think you'd get that in the Lost in
4: Space uh, 3 uh, interview, right? There Did you that.
0: go. There you go. So, uh, well, I can't wait to see how you guys tease this one then. The discovery of the Fortuna actually opens up a lot of possibilities this season. Beyond what could, this could certainly mean for Judy, could we see even more come from that discovery? Well, what, yes.
4: You know... <laughs> The, the, the Fortuna is a big part, as it turns out, of the mythology in the background of the show. Um, one of the things that were very important to, to Matt and Burke and I going into this season was answers. We've been asking a lot of questions in season one and two and it's it was important for us to answer all of them in this season. I think you know, and not just be one of those shows where like, oh, a thing happened, and you know, just just because it happened, it's natural if you were to kind of land on Earth and meet a Roomba that you'd probably want to know, well, who made the Roomba? You know, so <laughs> it, it stands <laughs> to reason, that, like, exactly. If there's a room, if there's a robot, someone made it, right? And so that's one of the things that we're going to answer in this season is where do the robots come from. We're going to answer how did they end up on Earth. We're going to answer, what does Judy's birth father have to do with all of this? There's like a lot of things that you'll see. And unfortunately, you haven't seen like the the back half of the season. But all of these things kind of collide until you sort of realize, oh, my God, this is one giant story that all started in one small place.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So we know that the series will be ending after this third season. Do you feel like three seasons was kind of the perfect amount? To tell this story and could we maybe see some spinoffs prequels or other stories at some point someday because i've already been asked that question like 10 times
4: <laughs> we you know matt and burke really designed the series going in to be like uh, a movie you know they that's their background that's what they're kicking ass in as well currently as you'll be interviewing them for all their movies and things but like that this is really structured as as a three, you know, movies are three acts, right? So three seasons makes perfect sense when you're telling one big epic movie story. And so season one is act one, season two is act two, and here we are in act three getting to do this. And I think it's a natural rhythm for our audiences these days, which is why you see a lot of shows and movies kind of existing in trilogies. Hopefully we are more successful in our part threes than some of the trilogies that we've all seen and been disappointed in. But, you know, it's that Star Wars, Empire, Return of the Jedi. It's, you know, all of those things that were kind of meant. And so I think the audiences understand a natural rhythm to that. As far as the future, you know, the the story of Lost in Space has been around for a long time because it's so relatable and universal. There's a reason why we continued the journey that, you know, was, originally conceived by Irwin Allen in the 60s. You know, this is a great story of what does a family do when they are against incredible odds, whether that be a family that's shipwrecked or a family that's lost in space. The future of this show, um, if it was to continue, it would be different. You know, Will Robinson has grown up now, woo! And you know, this, I think show couldn't just continue on in this same story. It was important to us to tell this story. And if the laws in Space universe continues, I think it would look different. And um, it would be, uh, as you said, uh, there are other stories to tell in that universe, but the Robinson story of this one that we're telling has sort of had its nice, complete journey. But it's a story that is just so compelling and universal. I'm sure it will continue in some way, shape, or form by some people.
0: <laughs> we'll just have to cross our fingers and wait and see then. Because I know I'm just saying that Max was is, is just dying to do more from what he that's what he told me anyway so i know i know that max wants to do more so we'll have to see what happens there but you guys have to watch season three first because lost in space season three premieres on december the 1st on netflix matt zach burke thank you guys so much for taking the time today i really appreciate it really appreciate you you.
4: thank you so much for your good good questions james thank you
0: and when you're looking at the final season of any show you just wanted to be done well right you wanted to be a fitting Send off, And the way that these guys so carefully constructed this final season, I feel like as a fan of Lost in Space, you feel like you got what you were supposed to, right? You're not walking away and wishing that you had gotten something. I think that they did such a great job crafting this final season of Lost in Space for Netflix. Is it the last of this story completely? Who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. Again, thanks to Zach Estrin, Matt Sazama, and Blake Sharp, Burke Burke Sharpless, for joining me this week to talk about Lost in Space, the final season on Netflix. Up next, we're going to stay in space. This time, go to Prime Video and talk about The Expanse. Next, on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
3: And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
1: So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available
0: wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Hi, this is Melissa Rockford from Manifest, and you're listening to
1: The Down and Nerdy.
0: The Epic War has begun, and Season 6 of The Expanse is now streaming on Amazon Prime Video, the final season, which is only going to be six episodes, by the way. Released weekly, though, so you get a chance to enjoy it for a little bit longer. So I'm going to give you my spoiler-free review Of this first episode and it's very intense and very much everybody seems to be kind of desperate at this point Especially if you're from Earth or from Mars because you know now that they've kind of joined forces Against Marco and his free Navy who just want to basically kill everyone and destroy everything Which doesn't seem like the way to go Like if you want to be like somebody that's a ruler which you know these megalomaniacs tend to be you just want to destroy everything? It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But anyway, let's. enough of Marco's plan. Plus, here's another thing. When he just walk, like he, when he randomly just saunters into a room and people start chanting his name, could you imagine if that's what your life was like? When you just walk into a room and somebody, somebody starts chanting your name? You'd think that would be cool, right? I think it would be weird. Don't you think that would be weird? Well, at least I think it would be weird. Anyway, well, maybe it's because nobody's ever chanted my name when I walk into her room. So, you know, maybe I'm just a little bit jealous. Who knows? But you you really see, like, Holden, he's, he seems very desperate at this point. You see, you know, the, you, the little leaders of Earth and Mars seem very desperate at this point as well. And there's a lot of that desperation. But it also seems like the guilt is starting to get to some of these guys in the Free Navy a little bit as well. And it's actually affecting Marco's Family, even whether he knows it or not, it is. Watch Philip in this episode. I'm just saying that th- that one is one that you're going to want to watch for sure, and and how he evolves throughout this episode, and and almost like the uh, what you see him become and evolve to be to me is a very very interesting part of this first episode of the final season. Anyway, but there's plenty of guilt on the russonante. Too as well. I mean, you look at what Naomi is going through, and you saw in the trailer how she was, you know, in the pilot seat, which is, you know, we we all know what happened to Alex, if you watch the show. And she's kind of weirded out by that, especially since, you know, she blames herself for what happened to Alex too. And then and then there's something that goes on with Holden in this first episode that kind of pushes Naomi to the edge as well. Plus, she's already not thrilled about the new member. Of the Rosanante that, that Amos sort of just decided to bring on, and it's it's interesting because you wouldn't think Amos would just be able to make that decision on his own. Yeah, here we are, and he just he does that, and you know you got to kind of live with it. But it, just that dynamic is a very it, you know they've certainly had the differences in the past, but it seems like things are very uncomfortable aboard the Rosanante. But then you sort of understand what the stakes are, and it's almost like it doesn't matter. Because the stakes are so freaking high in this season especially that you almost don't have time for that. Right? So you've got to kind of pull it together because if you don't, the free navy's just gonna wipe you out anyway. And and there seems to be here's the one thing I will tell you, and, and I don't I don't think that this is a spoiler, but I so I'll go ahead and, and say it this way. There's a plan to combat this. There is a plan we get to see the beginnings of said plan in this first episode. And it's a darn good thing, too, because if you think about it, there, there's only six episodes anyway, so there's really no wasted time. And I know maybe you're bummed. You're like, ah, six episodes, really? Is that all we're doing? First of all, they're going to be really expensive episodes. There's going to be a lot of stuff, effects-wise, that you're going to see in these six episodes, I think. So, so don't get bummed out about that part. But the one thing that I really understand is that and I think could actually be an advantage is that think about this. Think about it this way. There's not going to be any wasted time in this final season. They're not going to draw something out just to draw it out. No, 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 no. They're going to get right to it. And that's going to be to our benefit as fans, I think. Because you could certainly stretch this out too long. Look at Game of Thrones. It's a perfect example. You probably feel like Game of Thrones gave us too much. At the end, right? That was one of the criticisms of the final season of Game of Thrones, among other things. But you cut the episodes to about six, and then you also give yourself wiggle room for the future in another regard because the very beginning of this episode starts out with something that seems oddly out of place. That much I'll tell you. And with the promise that it's going to make sense when it's all said and done. So when The Expanse ends with season six... Is it going to be the end for this story? I don't think it is, and that's a darn good thing as far as I'm concerned, but what that's going to look like, obviously, we're only one episode in now. It's hard to really say what that's going to look like, right? But I can tell you that season six of The Expanse is now streaming on Amazon Prime Video, excuse me, Prime Video, and by the way, the episode's going to drop weekly, so you've got another episode a week from today. That you could look forward to and kind of like a Happy Holidays Expanse style, right? Because if you're an Expanse fan, you get to enjoy not just the holiday season, but the final season of The Expanse as well that'll creep into the new year. So that's something that's going to be really, really fun to do over the course of the next several weeks. That'll do it for my spoiler-free review of the Season 6 premiere of The Expanse from Prime Video. Up next, there's a lot of trailers and a lot of nerd news because of that. We'll talk about it next. I'm James Witham. This is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hi, this is artist Tracy Yardley,
1: you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
0: Hollywood giving us the gift of trailers this week. It's time for nerd news, and I kind of have to start by going all the way back to the beginning of this past week, and the Spider-Man Ac- Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 Trailer that that came out. Of course, that's the end of the Spider Verse sequel that we're going to be seeing on October the seventh of twenty twenty two. And I mean, it was a first look, so so not a ton there, but it just reminds you how much you love that dynamic between Gwen and Miles, which which was so great. And of course, when you see her pop up, he turns all nervous and stuff like that. He she finds one of his drawings, which was which is funny, and and how she reacts to that. I thought it was really really cool, and then she's like, you know, hey, you don't want to, you, you kind of want to get in some trouble, you know, you, you you might be grounded, but you want to you want to take off and do some stuff, so he does, and they, you know they end up, kind of falling through some universes there, and then guess what, you're kind of tangling with Miguel O'Hara, a little bit, right? We saw Spider-Man 2099 get teased at the end of Into the Spider-Verse. Now it looks like that's, going to come to pass, but you know it looks like they're not going to be buddies, at least not in this trailer, this first look. They're not, so that's super, super interesting. But the other thing that caught my eye was is that we're getting a different art style for every universe in this movie. And I know that you love the art and animation style of Into the Spider-Verse. I actually think that this is going to be a really cool idea. The fact that you're going to get something different for each universe. You've kind of seen that done in animation before a little bit. Not a ton, but a little bit. Obviously, The Simpsons has done it a couple of times, and we've seen some other shows and movies do it as well, but I think that this time it's going to showcase some really great animation and how it doesn't just have to be one style to be amazing, and I think, hey, well, the amazing Spider-Man, it just kind of makes sense to do that in this movie, right? Now, we also don't get too much of a hint of what the plot of this is going to be, but there has to be some sort of talk as to whether or not somehow this universe is going to get connected to the larger live action universe, because it seems like, you know, once you crack the egg of the multiverse, the yolk's just going to start, you know, running everywhere sort of thing. So it's amazing to me that this is even being discussed, but it's already being discussed. And normally I would kind of brush that off and say that you're nuts and you're, you know, there's no reason to talk about this waste of time. I don't know that it's a waste of time after, after Venom, let there be carnage. I don't know if it's a waste of time. So, I mean, they've got to introduce Miles some way. I know they kind of half did it in live action already. They at least referenced him. But, yeah, it's not like they've gone all in yet. So, let's keep that in mind. But, you know, hey, let's just enjoy Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 for what it is coming up in October of next year. And not worry about that stuff until it maybe happens. Now, you might, if you're a video game fan, you know the Game Awards happened this past week. I'm not gonna, I'm not the guy that's gonna sit here and read you a list of winners, okay? Because you might not even game that much, and you don't care. So we're not gonna do that. And you'll look it up if you care, or you watch the show. But what we did get was a couple of pretty interesting trailers. I actually want to start with the Sonic 2 trailer because why wouldn't I? It's gonna be coming out in April on April the 8th of this coming year of 2022. And, you know, it just, again, you want to, you want a reminder of just how fun the first movie was. And and you get that, especially with Ben Schwartz as Sonic, who, I mean, he shined in the first movie, but the jokes land. And the thing that I love about the fact, that fact that the jokes are landing is that it's something you can enjoy as kids and adults. And that is tough to do and do well. I'm sorry. It, it, I don't think that, that a lot of movies Get, they're just due for for stuff like that. When they get when they get it right, and it feels like this movie is getting it right. Plus, I mean, if you're a fan of Sonics, you know how great was it to see Tails. I mean, obviously you saw the photos, right? But you finally see Tails in the trailer, and it feels more real, doesn't it? And it seems like they're going to have a little fun, you know, big brother, little brother sort of dynamic, too, in this movie, which I think is going to be great. And then Idris Elba just smashes his way onto the scene as Knuckles. And, and you got Jim Carrey's Robotnik kind of jumping in there with that classic evil villain mustache twisting type thing. Says, oh, I'm sorry. I don't think he's not British, but, you know, it's like, oh, I don't believe you've been introduced. This is Knuckles sort of thing. So I love that line in the trailer. And just to see Jim Carrey back as Dr. Robotnik. That, you know, Jim Carrey's perfect for certain roles. This is definitely one of them. And you wouldn't have thought that going in. But it made so much sense when you saw that casting. And it just looks like it's going to work out so so well. So you know, video game movies in general starting to get better and I think that this is a good example of that. And the first one, yeah, now was the first movie perfect? No, it wasn't perfect. But this one looks like it's definitely gonna dial up the fun. I think I'm really excited to see what they're gonna do with that and to see how they kind of evolve on the fun that they had in the first movie. See if you can kind of crank those jokes up a little bit and keep things unique for this second one and we'll find out this coming April if they're going to be able to do that or not. And then you get the trailer for the Halo live action series, which will be coming to Paramount Plus next year in 2022 as well, no firm release date on that yet. But I have to say that aesthetically this looks like the game. It looks like the game, it feels like the game. The Master Chief suit Is spot on. Whoever designed that suit did a fantastic job of designing that suit, and that just jumps right out at you. I mean, so much that they actually put it in the trailer like what three or four times. It seemed like there's actually a few repetitive shots in that trailer, which I thought was interesting and not necessarily for for what seemed like a good reason. It's just like oh, we we tended to like this shot in the trailer. So let's go ahead and flash that again. So it's almost like a more cowbell type thing. So I don't know why they did that, but it, and and you don't really get much again on the in the way of the story. You know that they're that they're the human race is going to be battling the alien covenant. We know that already. We don't really get to see what that's going to look like. We don't really get much of a tease for that, but you do get to see how vast this world is, how good it looks. And you get to get a look at those suits, which is certainly nothing wrong with that. So I think that they've definitely upped the intrigue in this Halo series by showing this trailer. And I think that, you know, why wouldn't it be the most talked about trailer of the Game Awards? I would think that it should be. and, And it looks like it probably is. So we'll have to see exactly when this is going to come out. Of course, I'll update you on that when I can the new trailer for Cobra Kai's upcoming season, which will be on New Year's Eve, by the way, on Netflix was very, very interesting. And I want to touch too much on this because we already talked about one of the trailers because, you know, Johnny and Daniel teaming up, you got Terry Silver's back and that friction between Daniel and Terry Silver is still there in spades, man. You could have cut the tension with a knife. When you saw those two together. When he sees Terry Silver for the first time, Daniel LaRusso does. And you see those eyes. And Terry says to him in one of these, in one of the scenes in the trailer, he's like, you've always been upset that there's just a little Cobra Kai in you. And you see Daniel's mood start to change and you're like, whoa. Terry's the one guy that can really get in his head. Now, John Kreese gets in his head too. But it's more of like an anger type thing and almost like a... You just need to go away, sort of deal. Terry Silver is the guy that made Daniel not Daniel anymore and almost ruined his relationship with Mr. Miyagi, which you thought was unbreakable, right? So that guy lives rent-free in Daniel's head to this day, and that says a ton, by the way. Then you also find out that for it was very interesting seeing Daniel teach Johnny the ways of Miyagi-do karate. I thought that was interesting. But then you see Robbie. Robbie's interesting part in all this is that he seems like he's teaching the Cobra Kai students the Miyagi way to help them beat the Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang karate group. And I got to say, that's kind of a brilliant move. It's a dick move, but it's a brilliant move at the same time. It's like in sports. When somebody gets traded to another team and it's like their rival or something like that, or they sign with another team that's a rival, and you just go there and you spill all the secrets of what that team likes to do, not cool, but, you know, that's a move. That's a move you can make. And Johnny clear. I mean, excuse me, Robbie clearly has no morals whatsoever, so he's just going to go ahead and throw that out there. And and you, I understand, maybe you make the argument that you understand why Robbie's upset. I don't subscribe to that. I don't. I, and Robbie needs to grow the frig up. That's what I think. But, you know, he and he's still upset with his dad. He's upset with Daniel now, too. And this is how he's going to lash out. Classic Cobra Kai. He's certainly been brainwashed by that group well enough that it's working the exact way that they want it to. Now, how far is he willing to go? And is he going to eventually back off? I, I hope so. I don't think that's going to happen. But I hope so. But it also looks like there's going to be a ton of really fun moments in this upcoming season as well. So I can't wait for this next season of Cobra Kai. Season 5, if I'm not mistaken, which is going to premiere on Netflix on New Year's Eve this year. Don't want to forget about Superman and Lois, which is coming back in 2022, January of 2022 to be exact, on the 11th. And that new teaser trailer dropped and there's trouble at home. And the Kent household, right? You thought that they were going to ha- sort of, you know, have that big, happy family moment. And then, of course, what happens? You've got Steele's daughter, Natalie, just sort of dropping in. You saw that at the end of last season. And that had to affect Lois a little bit, right? Especially after everything that went down with with that story and, and how that was his wife in another universe. And it's, it was just awkward all season long. And he was going to leave until his daughter showed back up. So that, that that's messing with the family dynamic. And it looks like Superman's not necessarily making mistakes, but he's not playing ball. It doesn't seem like he's not doing what the government wants him to do. Now, should he be? That again, there's there's an argument you can have with that, right? But is he he's not necessarily a man of one government. He's a man of the world according to him. So, that's where the conflict lies in this upcoming season that's part of it and then another part of it is you know the trouble at home is that you know Lois says at one point in the trailer she's like you know there's a lot of bad stuff that's going on and I blame I've blamed you and that says a lot that says a lot about their relationship and not being home for their children is something that you don't think about when you think about Superman but now he has to think about that right and you see his, some uh, one of the kids in a very uh, very adult situation so yeah you got to keep an eye on that and you've also got Jordan who obviously wants to help his dad is he ready for that we don't necessarily know that he is ready for that you've got General Lane that's who's not a really general anymore is retired but he's poking the bear when it comes to the family right he, as he always does with Clark so and of course he always thought Clark was his puppet anyway so, you know, that's clearly not changed. Superman, although, is going to have a very interesting and maybe a little bit more tense season this year. I mean, it was tense for a different reason last season, but it looks like it could even be kicked up more now this upcoming season when, it, when season two premieres on January the 11th on The CW. One more trailer I want to talk about, and that's the upcoming third season of Snowpiercer. That's going to be on TNT. On January the 24th. That's when it's going to start. And I'll tell you what. This one has me interested. Because you know what Melanie did this past season. You know that Layton and Mr. Wilford are still battling for supremacy. But now you find out there's another survivor. And there's a place called New Eden. And guess what? The earth is starting to warm in certain places. You can ditch the parka and frolic in the sun until your dying days. If you can find it. And who's gonna find it first? That's the other thing. That's the other little nugget that happens here. And can you find it? Is the, is another issue. So that is the basis of this season. And you see how it's gonna be one of those it's gonna be one of those near death experience type situations for Leighton's crew. Because when is it not? And then I think you see Mr. Wilford get caught by surprise a little bit by that group in, in this trailer, as you've seen as well. So, yeah, this upcoming season of Snowpiercer going to be a battle for what's going to be like like Nirvana, like a heaven on earth type situation, right? You know, you've been in the cold for that long. you got a chance to go to a place like Eden. You'll absolutely do it. Imagine seeing grass again, like real grass. It's going to be pretty wild, right? So, hey, who? Well, the race is on in season three of Snowpiercer, and I can't wait to see where that goes. A couple of quick notes that I wanted to drop on you that I was kind of excited about, the kind of deal with you know past guests that we've had on the show because our best of shows coming up, best interview moments of the year, and maybe this will be part of it. Leverage, Redemption, renewed for a second season on IMDb TV, so we're going to get another season with the Leverage crew. I know that when I was talking to the, the, the writers and the showrunners for that show. They were hoping for that. And it looks like that's exactly what we're going to get. So bravo to them and bravo to IMDb TV. Can't wait to see when that's going to happen. Hopefully it's next year. Hopefully we get more leverage redemption next year. We'll have to wait and see there. Also, we knew that Resident Alien was coming back to sci-fi for a second season. Now we know that that's actually going to be happening on January the 26th. And man, Alan, Alan Tudyk, is so amazing, and you've got Sarah Tomko and so many other great members of the cast. It's going to be really interesting to see what Harry and Asta's relationship is at this point, because of you know the way that last se- again the way that last season went down, and what she learned about him and all of those other things. Yeah, it's going to be a little weird for a while, but we'll have to see how that maybe settles down or doesn't, and in how much Harry changes his mind. Of course. Did I say Asta? It's Asta. See, all the more reason you go back and brush up on Season 1 on Sci-Fi.com or on the Sci-Fi app, right? Because, you know, you you get you refamiliarize yourself with these characters, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, get to learn more about Sheriff Mike again and some of these other characters and patients. Yeah, I think I'm going to go back and do that. Do myself a favor and watch that again. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Dan and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to the amazing executive producers and showrunner of Lost in Space for joining me this week, which, of course, you can watch right now on Netflix. That final season's now streaming. You can also go to our website while you're at it, downandnerdypodcast.com. Follow along on social media as well, at Nerdy 757 on Twitter and on Instagram. Don't forget, Down and Nerdy on Facebook. And remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds.